0: So every Lent, on the first Sunday of Lent, we read St. Matthew's account of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness by the devil, right? The first of these temptations is to turn stones into bread uh, because, as as the text says, Jesus had been fasting 40 days and, quote, he was afterwards unhungered, which seems like quite an understatement if you ask me. (laughs) Well, so what Satan wanted Jesus to do in this first temptation was to prove himself to be the son of God by working a self-serving miracle that's really only there for its own sake. It's a miracle for the sake of doing a miracle. It's basically trying to do a magic trick more than anything else. But Jesus famously answers the devil by quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3. It is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Jesus certainly could have turned the stones into bread. He had the power to do that. That was not the issue. But rather, his answer to the devil tells us why he didn't exercise that power at this time. As important as our basic physical needs are, and Food and drink are really the most basic of our physical needs. I mean, there's no, we're not arguing that. But nevertheless, our spiritual need to hear from God is even more important. That's what Jesus is saying here. Now, today's gospel from the eighth chapter of St. Mark is one of the times when Jesus does exercise his powers over creation to meet those basic physical needs. Yet even in this miracle... Of the feeding of the multitude, Jesus feeds us with the word of God and not merely bread alone. So please open your Bibles to Mark chapter 8, verse 1, Mark 8, 1. And you can find this also on page 199 in your prayer book. Mark 8, beginning at verse 1. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him and saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way, for diverse of them came from far. And his disciples answered him, For whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks and brake, and gave to his disciples to set before them. And they did eat them before the people. And they had a few small fishes and he blessed and commanded them to set also before them. So they did eat and were, and were filled and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets. And they that had eaten were about four thousand and he sent them away. So this is not the first time that Jesus had fed a great multitude with a relatively small meal, even in this very book. Two chapters ago, back in chapter 6, Jesus had fed 5,000 men with five loaves and two fish, and that resulted in a surplus of 12 baskets full of leftovers after everyone had eaten to their fill. Now, today's passage, the numbers are a little bit different. But the basic miracle is the same. Today we have 4,000 men who were fed with seven loaves and a few small fish. And then we had seven baskets left over. And probably we have here pretty large baskets. The same Greek word here used, and we have different Greek words that get translated as basket in English. But this particular Greek word used in Mark 8 um, and also in St. Matthew's parallel passage of the feeding of the 4,000. Not the same as used in the feeding of the 5,000, by the way. But this same word here is used in the book of Acts to refer to the basket in which St. Paul was smuggled out of Damascus. So they're using the same Greek concept for the basket that St. That, that Paul crawled into so he could get away from the, the crowds. So not only do we see a similar miracle earlier in Mark's gospel, But we also saw it earlier in the church year. We've read this basic miracle before in in, in our lectionary. Back on Lent chapter, or the fourth week of Lent, Lent 4, we had St. John's account of the feeding of the 5,000, so the other miracle, but the same basic story for our gospel passage. Now, the feeding of the 4,000 only shows up in Mark and in Matthew. But the feeding of the 5,000 is in all four Gospels. The feeding of the 5,000 is one of the very few stories of Jesus' ministry. I mean, there's three years' worth of stuff to do here, right? So not everybody gives all three years' worth of stuff. But the feeding of the 5,000 is one of the few stories that shows up in all four Gospels. I recall a brother priest once uh, wondering why we seem to see this passage so much in our in our uh, readings that we do in public. Well, if the feeding of the multitude shows up six times in the gospels we 're bound to revisit it a few times in our public readings. Now, you may have heard some Bible teachers uh, postulate, theorize that the repeated story, apparently in two different forms. Is evidence that the authors of the Gospels were getting some stuff mixed up. And maybe that miracle really didn't even happen. It was kind of like, a, like they, were, they were making up a story to make a point. But if you look later on in our chapter today, later on in chapter eight, as well as later on in St. Matthew's parallel passage, both, both, both Gospels do this in the feeding of the 4,000, we see Jesus himself mentioning both miracles. So not only does this tell us that we do have two separate events, two actual events, Jesus himself says so, but what he says in that part also helps to explain the significance of the feeding of the multitude miracles. So let's move forward in Mark 8 to verse 14. This is not in your prayer book. You'll have to have your Bible to do this. And um, that's that's an implied, you ought to have your Bible, guys. Uh, My my first bishop, he would get mad if we didn't have our Bibles with us. It's on my phone, bishop. Doesn't count. Fine. All right, verse 14, 8-14. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they, that is the disciples, They reasoned among themselves, saying, It's because we have no bread. And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not yet, neither understand? Have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not? And having ears, hear ye not? And do ye not remember? When I break the five loaves among the five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? They say unto him, Twelve. And when the seven among the 4,000, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said, seven. And he said unto them, how is it that ye do not understand? So in other words, he's saying to them, the bread is not the point. It's not about the bread. And it was certainly good to feed the multitudes so that they wouldn't faint on their way home. The bread of the miracles points to something deeper. Again, remember what Jesus said in his quote from Deuteronomy during the temptation. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The Pharisees and Herod Represent the spiritual and temporal authorities of Jesus' day. They were the people that were in charge, both um, on, on, the, on the Pharisees' end on the spiritual level, in Herod's end on the on the on the on the, the uh, civil level, the temporal level. They were the ones in charge of the people of Israel at this time. Now, granted, they were all serving as underlords to Rome and all that sort of thing. But the point is, they had a certain amount of spiritual and civil or temporal authority. They were supposed to be feeding the people with the word of God. And we see this all throughout the Old Testament, right? When, G, when, when, when back in the Torah, when they're talking about the priests, what's the, one of the jobs of the priests? It's not just to make sacrifice, but it's, they're supposed to be the people's teachers. They're supposed to get the law of God from the priests. That's why Moses was a Levite. That's why Aaron was a Levite. They were in charge of the people's spiritual health. And it says, when you get a king, make sure he knows the law. Because his job is to lead you in the law. And the judgments that came upon the Israelites were largely because their wicked rulers, both spiritual and physical or or civil or temporal, both sets of of rulers had forsaken God's ways and were therefore leading the people astray. And so Jesus here is saying that the bread of the Pharisees and Herod, their, their leaders, Had the wrong leaven. The active agent in their bread was not God's word, rather, it was their own agendas. Now, by contrast, remember John 6, our our, our, when we read this back in Lent, Jesus said that we must feed on the Son of Man, we must feed on the Word made flesh if we're going to have true life. Now, especially within the context of John 6. This has pretty clear Eucharistic and sacramental significance. It's pointing us to what's, what's to come with the Lord's Supper. But here in Mark chapter 8, the emphasis is more on feeding the people with Jesus' teachings. And notice in this explanation that Jesus points the disciples back to the numbers within the miracles. Now, on one level, Jesus is saying, you think your one loaf is a problem. I can look at what I can do. I mean, there, that, is, that is one level that's going on here. But there aren't idle words in Scripture. Numbers often have significance in the Scripture. They're not just random things. But again, the math of the story is not really the point either, right? Right? You know, the, the, the mathematics are not the point. Charles Spurgeon, uh, that great preacher from England back in the 19th century, um, he, he, he pointed out in one of his homilies that everybody there ate and were filled. Jesus didn't have to measure out the miracle. He's not, he's not doing scientific experiments here. This is not about, okay, if I've got five loaves and two fish, that equals 5,000 people plus 12 baskets. That's not what's going on here. This is not a math equation. You know, he says, the people's power to eat was exhausted, but not Christ's power to feed. For when they had received their up to their utmost capacity, there was yet more to follow. The math wasn't the point. Jesus was not limited when feeding the multitudes with bread and fish. Nor is he limited when feeding us with his word, when he feeds us with his very self. Nevertheless, we do see throughout the scriptures important significance in some of the biblical numbers. And this isn't to allegorize scripture, but we do see that there is a reoccurring pattern of certain numbers in scriptures. And when we look into the scriptures, we see that these patterns um, tell us something. It's kind of a secondary meaning, but it's an important meaning to the text nonetheless. You know, Mark Twain was supposed to have said, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. (laughs) And we don't know if he actually said that, but he's supposed to have said that. Well, in Scripture, the repetition of these numbers is one of the ways that God shows history rhyming. Okay? So here's a few of those important numbers as far as goes to our miracles of the feeding of the multitude. We have the number 4 or the number 40. That's one of those repetitions. It often symbolizes totality within the world that can be seen. So it's like the whole world, but it's the world that can be seen. It's what we would call the physical world. So we have, for example, four cardinal directions, north, south, east, and west. And that's something we see a lot in scripture. You know, the the four always often points back to the four directions, we see um, the fullness of the earth described throughout scriptures as the four corners of the earth. Now we're not saying the earth is square, but that's a, that's, that's a symbolic way of talking about the totality of our physical world. Judgment on the world came in the form of 40 days and 40 nights of rain. Judgment on God's people in the wilderness was 40 years of wandering. Moses Elijah and our Lord all fasted in the midst of the people's judgment for 40 days. In Ezekiel's vision and St. John's vision in Revelation, we see four living creatures that can go any such way. And they've come to symbolize, they're often seen as representing the four Gospels. And in today's Gospel, we have 4,000 men fed in the miracle So remember that, and we're going to move forward on some other numbers before we put it together. The number seven also has uh, symbolic significance in the Bible. This is one you're probably a little bit more more familiar with. This is one that gets talked about a little bit more. But seven typically symbolizes perfection or completeness. And it's interesting that seven is the sum of three and four. Three being that number symbolizing the, the, the spiritual, right? The trinity, that sort of thing. Four representing the physical, And so with completeness, we have both the seen and unseen, the visible and invisible, as we say in the creed. We see seven days of creation, which symbolize that God completed his work when he was creating the world. It was done and it was good. We have 70 nations in the Bible, 70 people groups, which represent all of humanity. The totality of humanity is the 70 nations, the completeness of humanity. Israel was in exile for 70 years to experience perfect and complete judgment by God. There are seven spirits of God in Isaiah and Revelation, which represent the the perfection of God's revelation to his people. And we often refer to those two passages as the sevenfold gifts of the Holy Spirit that are given to us uh, in, in Confirmation. And then in today's gospel, we have seven loaves of bread, seven baskets of leftovers. And then we have the number five, representing God's word. Because we have five books of the Torah, five books of the law, five books of Moses. And those books are the foundation for the rest of scripture, as far as scripture understands it, right? You know, we build on the law and the prophets. The law is that foundation, the five books of Moses. And in the same way, we have 5,000 men fed with five loaves in the feeding of the multitude. And then finally, for our parable here, or rather our our miracle here, we have the number 12, which incidentally is the the product of three multiplied by four, right? Again, the, the spiritual and the physical. And the number 12 always symbolizes in Scripture God's people. Why? Well, we have 12 sons of Jacob, 12 patriarchs of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, all coming from those, those 12 sons, those 12 patriarchs. And then we have in the New Testament, 12 apostles called by our Lord um, to be a new set of patriarchs, right? And so the number 12 is often a symbol of Israel or a symbol of the church, a symbol of God's people in the Bible, so now when we start to put these numbers together, we see some of the significance of this miracle. St. Augustine tells us that the 4,000 men in today's miracle remind us that we learn, um, we, we receive our divine bread, we hear the word of God because of the Gospels. Alternatively, and I think this is probably a little bit better because of uh, what's, what's going on in the time of the Bible itself, um, we have Oxford Father Isaac Williams, one of the Oxford Fathers. He, he says that those who are fed by the Lord, um, the 4,000, tells us about the four corners of the earth. You're feeding everybody who's hungry. Anybody that's hungry can come to the Lord to be fed. Both of these preachers see the seven loaves as representing the illumination that comes from the sevenfold gifts of the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to get God's word. He's the one who inspired God's word. And that seven tells us about that. And then St. Augustine sees the seven baskets of leftovers as representing, as telling us, reminding us of the completion or the perfection of the church as God continues to make her holy. God makes us holy and he brings us to completion, brings us to perfection. And then finally, Isaac Williams sees the 12 baskets in the other miracle And in Jesus' explanation, as a reference to God feeding us within the context of the community of faith, the context of the church. We are fed together. We're not lone rangers for the gospel. And then he writes this. Isaac Williams says this. These hungry who seek Jesus, he will feed by means of his church, which is built on the 12 foundations in which are the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. He shall feed them with the seven gifts of the Holy Ghost, that bread which is the food of the soul. And herein we have his deeper and fuller answer to that question of the disciples. Whence can one satisfy these with bread in the wilderness? Well, the world is a wilderness. What therein can satisfy the human soul? What in the world can satisfy us? Nothing. Nothing surely but the bread from heaven which Christ gives and he is promised that they who hunger after righteousness shall be filled. So as we said Jesus fills us with himself he feeds us with his word he feeds us with his flesh now many of those who ate of the miraculous food missed the point. Immediately after today's gospel passage, the Pharisees confront Jesus, demanding a sign of proof as who he was. Well, what more proof did they need? We just had 4,000 people fed with seven loaves. What more do you want? And in fact, we see here the Pharisees sound uh, quite a bit like the devil back in the temptation. If you truly are the Son of God, then fill in the blank. Jesus will have none of that. Just as he refused to play the devil's game, he refuses to play the Pharisees' game. He says he will not give them the sign they demanded. He is not their performing monkey. The Pharisees were focusing on the gift rather than on the giver. They wanted miracles and signs, they did not want the Lord. And the Lord does not answer to them. We can easily fall into a similar and equally dangerous error as the Pharisees did here. We can spin our wheels trying to find the perfect church with the proper liturgy and music. And hopefully, hopefully nice good young people that aren't going to Midland. <laughs> we can focus so much on the wider church politics or the controversies in the church that we forget to feed upon the word and sacraments that are offered at the Lord's mystical table. We can get so bogged down with the cares of this life and this world that we forget that we're hungry and faint and that we need Jesus more than anything else. Instead, we need to look to our master. We need to look to the Lord Jesus. In our colic, we prayed that God would nourish nourish us in all goodness. Well, the word of God and the word made flesh are how God answers that prayer, how he fulfills that desire. For man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. And we say this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.